people will consider you a religious person. Even Christianity has been thrown into religion. But a Christian is a follower of Jesus Christ and a believer of his word. That is the distinct difference between being religious. And today we have a lot of Christians who are religious but don't practice his word or live his word or even read his word or know anything about his word. But they say that they're Christians. That's a religious group. But the Christian group, those who have really been born from above and know what it is to have his Holy Spirit dwelling within and loving his word and delight in his word and then follow his word. Now, I'm not saying being perfect because we won't be perfect until we're with him. Every one of us in this room, including me, have faults. And we're working on those faults, aren't we? Because God reveals those faults in us. But because his word corrects us, we are practicing now his word to correct the fault that is within us. And that's the identification of a Christian. A religious person can do anything. Why? They're not in any way following God's word and they can do whatever they so please to do. So when you hear a Christian say, I'm a Christian, but act way out of the norm of a Christian, most likely they're not a Christian. Or they never really understood God's word. And they're not an ambassador for Christ or living for Christ. They're just religious. And religiosity, hell's going to be filled with a lot of religious individuals. But for the Christian, the follower of Christ, the lover of Christ, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, my word. And that's what we're going to somewhat be looking at today in Revelations 14, 6. Because you need to understand this. God is the author of truth. Amen? Commercial time. Where's my book? Uh, We got it in our New Alliance Witnesses. And I said, take one, share it with your neighbors. I like to see them all off the table. Share them with people in your family. Give one to your daughters, sisters, brothers, children, cousins. Just something for them to read. Now, I'm going to read you something that if they're practicing this on the mission field and they recognize it, boy, why shouldn't we recognize it? Breaking the cycle of poverty. It's on page 7 if you want to read the full article. But it makes this statement. Since education is one of the keys to breaking the cycle of poverty, Seeds of Hope started a program to help children pass an exam they have to take 
in order to move to secondary level classes. Now, understand, a lot of foreign countries, if you don't pass that exam, you don't get the privilege of going on to another grade. Only in America could you flunk everything and they pass you on to another grade. And he says, Seed of Hope started a program to help the children pass an exam they have to take in order to move to secondary level classes and to teach the women in the community to read and write. These ministries are giving women and children dignity and a chance at a healthy, hopeful life. If they recognize that on the mission field, why is it that every church here in the United States don't recognize one of the key things of breaking poverty and breaking hopelessness is an education. Learning to read and write. We take for granted what happens in our school system. But what we don't understand, the number of kids that fall through the crack. The number of kids that don't get the education and don't understand. You can do much better, but it's going to take what? Work. Effort. And when you get to be 25, 26 years old, it's too late to try to start over. You have to seize the moment and take advantage. And we have to teach our kids that. To seize the moment and allow themselves to excel. All the partying and all the other stuff that distracts you from education will always be there. But the type of life that you will have in the future depends on how you will educate yourself. Commercial's over, but grab the book. Read what's happening on the mission field in many different areas. And pray for them. How many of you pray for the missionaries? Yeah. You don't have to always pray for them by name. Elaine and I will pray for some by name. But we pray for our missionaries worldwide. Even though they're not part of the CMA, who are Baptist missionaries, Mennonite missionaries, Nazarene missionaries. God has literally thousands of people out on the field in foreign countries that we just need to pray for. It's difficult for them. It's hard for them. How would you like to be a missionary in Russia right now? Some are still there. How would you like to be a, a missionary in Iran where your wife has to walk behind you rather alongside of you? See, they go through some difficult moments. But we need to keep them covered in prayer. Somehow we think the whole world lives like America lives. And it doesn't. See, me and Cynthia are going to make that missionary trip before she leaves here. (laughs) Too late. (laughs) 
But the whole process, let's keep them in prayer. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you and praise you this morning for your word. Thank you, Lord, for giving us truth. Lord, help us to discern truth. Help us, Lord, to apply truth to our lives. Because truth is so difficult, O oh God, for us to accept. It's easier for us to believe a lie and to live a lie than to live in truth and live in such a way that truly glorifies you. Would you help us to see that today through your word as you minister to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. May each one of us leave this place today differently than what we came in. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The third witness. The third witness. It's important to understand God in his own way had divinely picked these three witnesses that we've been talking about. And everybody could not be a Billy Graham. Everybody could not be a Billy Sunday or uh, one of the other great men who have come down through history. That didn't mean we were not witnessing, we were not sharing, but God just puts certain people sometime on a different platform, that's all. And he does that because he is sharing with people his truth worldwide. God provides every generation with truth. We need to understand that principle. God provides every generation with truth. But every generation has to figure out what is truth. Remember what Pilate asked? What is truth? Every generation has to figure that out. What is really truth? Is this Bible really true or is it just a fairy tale? Is it partially true? Or is it half of it true and the other half man-written? Or is it all God-breathed? You don't discover it until you start living it. And when you start living it, you start seeing what God does in your life. That's what really makes this book exciting. Last night I called Melvin and let him know, they're having a hard time getting this message through here today. Woke up this morning and that little circle still going, trying to post. And I finally started just move a little bit. Move a little bit. And I was asking the Lord, Lord, why is this thing happening? Now, I don't expect you to believe what I'm going to say, but he says, there's war in the air. <laughs> there's war in the air. <laughs> and remember when the angel was trying to get to Daniel <laughs> and he was interrupted? <laughs> The whole process. I don't know. Did you ever get it? Not yet. yet. It completed the circle finally this morning around about 8.30, 9 o'clock. 
Oh, it's there now. Okay. And I said, it took, I was up to 11 o'clock trying to get that thing through. It would get halfway and then just drop. It would get, it just drop. I ran that thing about five times and it just kept dropping. And finally about 11.30, I said, I got to get up in the morning. Lord, you got to take care of this. And I just set the computer to the side and went to bed. Then when I got up this morning, I said, I'm going to check it. I looked at it and it was still moving. Just a little bit. And I'm watching that thing move a little bit. And I'm saying, Lord, it's been over nine hours. And I went downstairs to finish up for this morning and everything. I come back up and look at it, move a little closer, move a little closer. And I'm standing there when it got about like that. And I start praying over it. Lord, get it through. Lord, get it through. You know, and I didn't know if Mel got it or not. Now he said that they did get it. But nine hours to post something? How many of you have been paying attention to what's been going on in the world? How many of you heard that water is drying up? How the lakes are getting smaller? Now, now if water dries up, what does that do to food? <laughs> yeah. You think we can have a famine in the land? Hey. How many of you have been watching how the fires have been going around the world? And how many of you have been following? COVID's back on the rise a little bit, a different type. But every time we think we've nailed it a little bit and we're going the other way, something else what? Pops up. Now this monkey pops up, pops up although they say it's mainly in one community, but yet it's spreading out. And isn't there something? Man keeps trying to stop what God is doing. And God, little by little, he's putting the pressure on. Now he says, you can look at the sky and you can say, it's going to rain. How, how many of you, when, when you see it cloud up and you begin to see the top of the trees begin to like turn? And you feel that breeze coming in. You know it's not just a breeze, but it's pushing what in? Is pushing the rain in. God said, if you can look at the sky and you can discern certain things, shouldn't you be able to discern that we're getting closer to the end times? We need to open our eyes and really begin to discern a little bit more. And really understand God has provided us with truth, but are we accepting it? Now, Satan has provided a lie to every generation. You can go all the way back to Genesis with Adam and Eve. Satan provided them with a lie. And he's done that all the way down through, generation through generation through generation. You can see Satan's lies. But then God still provides truth. Truth can only come from God. 
Go to Second Thessalonians 10 and 12. Well, I don't, I don't want to see because that clock is running faster than I wanted to run, but uh, I'm going to just state it here. They perish because they refuse to love what? The truth and be saved. Are there people today who refuse to really love God's truth? Yes. They refuse to even begin to live as a Christian, yet they say they're a Christian, but they will not practice what the Word says. He says they perish, and then he gives you the reason. Because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. Then he goes on to that verse 12. All will be condemned who have not believed the truth. Then he gives us the reason why. They delight in wickedness. They delight in wickedness. Are there people who love the sin that they're in? Yes. And they go right back at it again. Right back at it again. They love the wickedness, or they love, which they don't recognize, being disobedient to God's word. How many of you thought you had tricked your mom and dad when you were disobedient? (laughs) We think we're doing the same thing with God. That we're tricking him. And we're not. See, me and my wife was talking this morning about my sister and uh, her two boys. Both of them, two very successful business individuals. And uh, they told their dad when they saw their mom in a nursing home they didn't like that nursing home. So they asked, Dad, can we take care of Mom? You don't have to spend a dime. We'll take care of everything. And took her to Utah and put her in a great, fabulous nursing home. And they took care of everything. Even would fly him out to see her and so forth. And we were talking about when they was coming up, they may have thought my sister was the meanest woman on earth. She met Freddie one time because Freddie was not obeying the cross guard down at St. Mary's at St. Vincent. Uh, he wasn't obeying the cross guard. And Freddie was a pretty good sized teenager. And she just drove down there parked her car, crossed the street, and when he came out, just watched him, and he go walk on across the street before the guard tell him that they could go and all this, and he's going to be there. And she watched him somewhat sass the guard. She got out that car, and she started wailing on him. The kids started laughing. He's trying to cover himself up, and she's just beating. It takes Tony to tell the story about Freddie. And she was hard. But she raised two successful young businessmen that are very well disciplined in their work and what they do. And it takes that 
If you're ever going to be hard on a child, be hard on a child when they're young because they'll forgive you. When they get older, they don't. It's just like, I call it riding a horse. When you get on a horse, you don't want to just give them the reins. You want to hold it tight. And as you let go of that range, that horse will begin to gallop. You let that horse take off running, you're going to run all the way. He's going to run you into trees, into bushes, all over the place. And God knows that about us. That's why he gives us truth. Because truth disciplines us. Truth shapes us. Truth helps form us. Now, in Hebrews 1, 1 through 2, and I'm going to run through this again, it talks about God in these sundry days, these last days, spoke to us through his son. Where before he spoke to us through who? The prophets. God always provided us someone to speak to each generation. But in this last times, he sent his son. But what I want you to catch is this. God took the responsibility upon himself to share with us his truth. God takes that responsibility upon himself to share this truth. Then when you go to Revelation 7, what does he do? He sent out 144,000 witnesses, all Jews, to testify about him. So you read about them in Revelation 7 and Revelation 14. And they had the name of the Son and the Father upon their foreheads rather than the name of the Antichrist. God sends his witness of the 144,000 out. Then he sends two prophets that you can't kill. You can't touch them. They can kill you. If you try to harm them, he sends two prophets to witness for three and a half years. Other witnessing is going on also. But remember, at the same time, what's going on? Satan is spewing out his lies through the beast and through the image. So God is also sharing his truth. And that generation has to make a decision. Do I believe this? Or do I believe this? Each generation has to make that decision. What you're going to believe. And then this third divine witness, and I call them divine witnesses because these are particular individual witnesses that God personally chooses and equips to witness for him. is an angel flying in midair. Go to Revelation 14 and verse 6. And you have to ask the question, boy, how does this happen? And only God could do it. And the only reason God, I believe, is doing it, this may be the last time God witnesses on a universal scale to all before the closing really begins to take place.
He says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim. The eternal gospel to proclaim. Now, before we get into this, I want you, because if you read your commentaries and different ones, you're going to see different views on this, of what this eternal gospel might be. Some say, because when you come down into verse 7, it says, because the hour of his judgment has come. Some call this the eternal gospel of punishment, the eternal gospel of judgment. I believe it's still the same eternal gospel that was in the New Testament. Understanding this, though, that within the New Testament, within the gospel itself, it gives life and condemnation. It warns you of both, not just one. And I I believe this is still that same gospel that people have to hear in order to be saved. And God is going to make sure everybody hears it. But before we go there, let's take a look at reason maybe why. Why is God doing this? The gospel doesn't change. I don't care what era, what time period you may grow up in, the gospel stays the same. It does not change. The gospel shares about life and condemnation. Both. Go over to John chapter 3. St. John chapter 3. Let's go to verse 17. He says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. That's not the main reason for which he came. But he did come to share with us life and condemnation. Life, what would happen if you receive him? Also, what would happen if you reject him? So he says, boy, he didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. So he's telling you right there, if you believe in me, you will not be what? Condemned. But if you choose not to believe in me, what stops the sight of that? You are condemned. Now understand this. They were already condemned because they were living without Christ. That's why Ephesians tells us that we were all once dead in our trespasses and sins. Yet alive, but we're dead. Because we didn't really know the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says... But whoever does not believe stands condemned when? Already. Already. In other words, you don't have to go to heaven to hear God say, you're condemned. You're going to hell. Don't worry, you already know that. You're the one who has to recognize it. And really say, boy, I'm going to change this. It's like some people who refuse to recognize they're going the wrong way in life. Life is beating them up. They have nothing. They're doing everything the wrong way. And then when you try to 
share with them how to turn this ship, how to turn it. And it's going to take a moment. It's going to take some time to turn it. They're not willing to listen because they're going to stay on their own path. But their own path is leading them to where? To destruction. And they never really accomplish anything much in life. And even as they grow older and grow old, they grow old with nothing. Nothing. And they wonder, how did this happen to me? And he says, because they have not believed in the name of God, one and only Son. Now, it's not that God hasn't made his Son's name known. They choose to what? Not to believe. Now, go ahead into verse 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Now, that's hard for us to reason or to understand that there are those who just love doing wickedness, doing the wrong thing. That's hard for us, but we're seeing it in our day. What thrill is it to be up on a rooftop killing people and seeing them run? That don't even compute for us. We can't understand that kind of mind. What kind of mind that says, I'm going to throw a bomb into a mist of 100, 200 people? We can't understand that. We can't understand. Why would a young man get shot 46 times? We can't understand that. What we don't look at is this. Who's behind the scene pushing it? Who's behind the scene pushing it? And he says that they love wickedness. And they themselves have chose not to believe. Now you choose to believe a lie or to believe the truth. Let, let me give one very prevalent today. God says sex is honorable only where at? In the marriage bed. All the evidence overwhelmingly will say, you have a child out of wedlock, you have a tough time. But a lot of people don't believe that. So we see it just continuing to what? Happen time and a time and time again. I tell young men, you have two or three children out of wedlock. You're going to be broke all your life. You won't have a dime if the young lady really takes you to court. You'll be broke. It's better to do it the way God has ordained it. One man, one woman, children, one family. Everybody in that circle is what? Better off. Have a better quality of life. Enjoy life better. Now, yes, you always have something that says, boy, that's not the perfect thing, but the majority of the time, it works. It works. 
Uh, some children grow up with some messed up parents. And that's just the truth of it. See? But the, again, that's not the majority. See? So you have to choose to believe a lie or believe the truth. Now today we got young men who will say, I'm not getting married. And they say that based on what happened to them with their parents. You have women who have been married to men, and I did this down at the Y. Uh, because down there, after I'm done swimming and all my stuff, I kind of get a table to myself. But there's about seven or eight women that sit around the table, and they know all the churches in Akron. I'm able to hear about all the pastors, all what's going on. I'm able to just keep up, because they be going over there. And... Uh, about a week ago, I went over to the table and I said, I noticed one thing. You guys are some godly women. I want to give you an assignment. And one of them looked at, Pastor Brown, what kind of assignment? I said, today is Monday. By Friday, I want all of you to tell me who your next husband is going to be. Because they're all either divorced or husbands. And all of them, no, 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 God ain't made that man. But we have fun with it. But people catch an image of something. Now they got to choose. Is it true? Or is it a lie? Is it true when God says it's not good for man to be alone? If he says that for man, doesn't he also, in a sense, say that for women also? But we have to choose to believe it. Go over to John 15. And we're going to walk through this just for here to catch a little bit more about Revelations 14.6. Go over to 15. Because what I'm really trying to bring home to you is this here. God is the one responsible for getting truth to us. We're the ones who have to be responsible to acknowledge this is truth or it's not truth. So in John 15, starting off in verse 22, look at what he says. If I had not come and spoke to them. Now the I is Jesus. Jesus was sent to us by who? The Father. If I had not come and spoke to them, they would not be guilty of sin. In other words, if they had no knowledge of the gospel, if they had no knowledge of God's will, they could not be charged with sin. Because God had not spoken to them. But because God sent Jesus Christ to speak to them and to share truth with them, now they become accountable for that truth whether they practice it or not. They become responsible, accountable. Whether we follow Jesus or not, we will still be held accountable for the truth that God has shared with us. And he says to us, boy, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however... They have no excuse. 
So what was the purpose of speaking to us? What was the purpose of sharing the gospel? To take away our excuse for sin. Don't ever come up and say, God understands me. You're right. He does. He just don't understand why you're sinning. When he said, don't do it. And he says, boy, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. Why? You've heard the truth. The truth is here. You choose not to believe it. But it does not take away your obligation to the truth, your responsibility to the truth. You will still be held accountable for the truth. Because the truth is truth. That doesn't come from man, but comes from God. And he says, Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father. Now understand what he's saying there. If you hate Jesus, you hate my father. If you hate the father, you hate the son. Now, understand that. You can't love one without loving the other. How many of you watch the story, Hidden Figures? It's a good story. I like that story. And I like it when the three little girls are around the table and they look up at mom and they say, he's a good man. Mom never says that, but the kids do. (laughs) He's a good man. And then when the man speaks up with the ring, he says, I know that you would never accept me without me accepting your children. He knew he had to take the whole package or just leave it alone. And he took the whole package because he's in love with the wife, with the woman. Now understand this. If you accept Jesus Christ, you got to take the whole package. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You've got to accept the whole package. You just can't accept the Father and leave the Son and the Holy Spirit out. You cannot accept the Son and leave the Father out and the Holy Spirit out. You cannot accept the Holy Spirit and leave the Father out and Jesus out. You've got to take the whole package when you accept Jesus Christ. You've accepted the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, stay with me, because something striking comes up in this passage. He says, he came, he spoke with them, he took away their excuse. By God speaking, he removes every excuse for sin. Well, we don't like that. White people didn't accept Jesus. They hated both him and the Father. Come on back down with me into verse 24. Jesus says, If I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. 
Now I want you to take those three witnesses that we're talking about. The 144,000, the two prophets, and the angel. They all do different than what anybody else was doing. And he says they see and they hear. And this angel who's going to fly to the four corners of the earth proclaiming the gospel, the eternal gospel, is something different that nobody else has ever did. You see and you hear. And he goes on and he says, what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin, but because they saw and they heard, he takes away their excuse. He goes on, he says, but now they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and the Father. Now listen, listen to 25 and ask yourself, can you figure this out? But this is to fulfill what is written in the law. They hated me without reason. They hated me without what? Without reason. They hated me without really no understanding. They hated me not even knowing me. They hated me. How often do we say, We're hated just because of who we are. There's Jesus. They hated me or they would not accept me. And I don't think it's just because they hate him. I think it's because of their love of sin. And their wickedness. And their own lifestyle. They hate him. Why? He comes against that lifestyle. Now, he says in John three nineteen, they love darkness and they love their deeds of evil. Now, back to Revelation 14 as we get ready to wrap up a little bit on this because it's so important to really catch it. The message is for those that are on earth. And he declares that. Then I saw another angel flying in the midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who lived on the earth, not all the universe, but to those who live on earth. And then he narrows it down even a little bit more because it allows us to know Though man has the responsibility given to him to take the gospel into all the world, it shows us the limitation of man also. Do you understand there are yet hundreds and hundreds of dialects and people who have not received the word of God? But God somehow takes on that responsibility to get his word to them. And here he says, he does it by an angel. And he says, to every nation, tribe, language, and people, 
he takes this message. Every nation, every tribe, every language, every people will hear this gospel. Because you will not be able to be judged of your sin without hearing about this gospel. Hearing God's word. And it's his responsibility that you hear it because you're going to be judged by it. And he takes away your excuses because he has declared it. He moves a little further. And listen to this, because it's so important in verse 7. Catch this. He said in a loud voice, and boy, I kept, okay, Lord, what are you saying about a loud voice? That the angel says this in a loud voice. Have you ever been in a group and all of a sudden you hear somebody yelling or screaming or very loud and obnoxious? Everybody stops what they're doing and do what? They pay attention or they're looking at that person with all that loud voice. There was a book written some years ago back in the 60s, Why Black People Shout. And what it was written about, you go into a store, you steal something, and you get loud, and the manager would say, go on, go on, go on. And you're all free. Because you got loud and you're drawing the attention, and he doesn't want that in his store, so he lets you just walk on. The angel proclaims this in a loud voice. To captures everybody's attention. That they hear it. That they hear this gospel. This eternal gospel. And they have no excuse for worshiping the image. They have no excuse of following the image and what he says. They have no excuse for believing anything else. Because truth is given. And I believe this is the last message universally that God gives with this eternal gospel. And he goes on and he says, and look what he says, fear God. Go back to Proverbs. And fear God is a a way of saying Have high respect for God. Reverence for God. But fear God. Look what Proverbs 1.7 says about that. He says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And what do they need? Knowledge of truth. Because they've been given a lie by the image and by the beast and by the Antichrist. They've been fed a lie. And now he says, fear God. And it's the beginning here. Fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. What will they reap? Knowledge of God and the truth. When you fear God, he brings you into understanding of his truth that is knowledge for us on how we should live. On how we should live. Those who don't want to be in God's word really do not want to know how God expects us to live. 
those children who really give an ear to their parents, they understand this is how mom and dad wants me to live. Mom and dad has the best for me. This is what I believe. Mom and dad is doing this all for me. But those children who think mom and dad is just trying to take advantage of them, take away some kind of privilege from them, keep them from this and keep them from that and doing what their friends are doing, they believe mom and dad is telling them a lie rather than the truth. And a lot of people believe God is telling them a lie to keep them from things rather than telling them the truth that will safeguard them and cause them to prosper. Now, what we need to understand, it goes to every nation, every tribe, language, and people. And it goes with that loud voice because the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. And we need to understand, give him glory. Why? Now, I want you to look at this. Why? He says, give him glory. Because those are the two things that the angels also shouts out with this message. Fear God, give him glory. He says, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and the springs, and the water. Now, these things that the image doesn't really declare. The, Satan cannot do these things. Satan does not have final judgment over you. God does. Understand that. The hour of judgment has come. God has the final say about your soul, about your life. God does, not Satan. Then he goes on and he says, has come, worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs, and the water. Now, go back up to chapter 13. Go up into verse 15 with me. Look what it said. He who gives power to give breath to the image of the first beast, so that it could speak and cause all who refuse to worship the image to be killed. So that you would be enforced to what? To worship a lie. Here you're given truth to make a decision to worship. Not being forced, but given truth in order to make a conscious decision to worship God. Then he's going to give you the reasons why you're going to worship God. Now understand this principle. Satan cannot do what God has done. Nor does anywhere in scripture, does Satan, does the image, nor the beast, or the antichrist ever claim to do any of these things. Create the earth. He made the earth. He made the earth. Worship the one who made the earth. Worship him who made heaven, who made the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Worship him. Worship him. Worship him. Nowhere when you read in Revelation do you see the Antichrist, the image, the beast, or any of them ever declaring, I understand this, only what God 
owns and can do. They never declared that they created a heaven. Never declared they created an earth. Never declared they created the seas. Never declared that they created the springs of water. Never declared that. We're not going to get into it this week, but I want to close with simply saying this. Why does God send the angel with the eternal gospel? Mark chapter 8, verse 35 through 37. God cares for your soul. Because God understands this. There's nothing you can give that would keep your soul from going to hell. Nothing you could give that would allow you to come into his heaven. The only thing we can do is receive. Let me give a little further understanding on that. Because sometimes we say, give ourselves to him. Give ourselves to him. You cannot give yourself to him until you have received him. Can you give yourself to him? Because he prepares you and your life in such a way that it's acceptable to him. So the only thing we can do is receive what God has given us first. And then we're able to give ourselves to him. Only after we received. So the purpose of that eternal gospel for that time period in tribulation, God is letting the world know, here's the truth. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. Here's how you can be saved. Here's how you can be redeemed. And I believe it is the last universal call of God for redemption of mankind. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. And we thank you, O God, that there is none like thee. There is none, O God. We can search heaven and earth and we'll find none like thee. We will find those who have set themselves up to look like thee and to maybe act like thee and, and to call themselves a God, but they're really not God. For there's only one true God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who took on flesh and came down to earth to dwell with his creation and to declare truth to us. Would you open our hearts and our minds that we might receive truth? Would you open our minds and our hearts for knowledge of thee? Would you open us, O God, that we might receive that which you are giving unto us freely? And give us the strength. Give us the will. Give us the ability to live out your word. It is a fight to be a Christian. It is a fight to be a Christian. To understand what Paul says, I fought a good fight because it's difficult to live life as a Christian. 
But Lord, enable us to do so. Enable us to do so. Take away all of our excuses. Take away all the things that hinder us. Take away all the disbelief that we might believe you and believe your word. Oh God, pour into us the knowledge that you would have us to have of you. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You are holy, oh so holy. You are holy, oh so holy. What a privilege and honor to worship at your Call into your presence as your own. You are holy, also oh, holy. You are holy, also oh, holy.
Yes, you are, Lord. You are holy. You are so holy. What a privilege. What a privilege to worship. To worship as your To be I want you to just think. How has God been faithful to you? Just dwell on that for a moment. He's been faithful. How has He been faithful to you? Has he been faithful in keeping you through sickness? Has he been faithful for providing for you even in the presence of your enemies? Has he been faithful to you in elevating you in life? Has he been faithful to you in keeping you faithful to your husband, to your wife? Has he been faithful to you? Has he been faithful to you in your finances? Has he been faithful in just meeting you in the time of your crisis? Has he been faithful to be there with you when you feel all alone? Has he been faithful to be there Has he been faithful in granting you peace in a disturbed world? Has he been faithful in giving you confidence? Is nameless of how God has been faithful to us. Lord, Dismiss us with that thought of how faithful you have been to us. And you've been faithful because of one reason. You love us. You love us. You love us. And you show us your faithfulness. Thank you. You are faithful, also oh, faithful. You are faithful, also. Oh, let it soak in, let it soak in, let it soak in. What a privilege and honor. 
missing us, oh God, with our minds being reminded that, Lord, you're faithful unto us. And whatever we may have to face when we go through these doors today, may we have the confidence, oh God, that you're faithful and you're going to provide whatever is needed. You're going to meet whatever the need is. You're going to strengthen us where we're weak. You're going to give wisdom as we lack it. You're going to, Lord, be there for us. Because you're faithful unto us. Thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.